This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. About 924 tonight, we had officers that were dispatched to the intersection of Washington and Thomas for a person down. When the officers arrived, they found a victim on the south side of the road near the sidewalk that had visible signs of trauma. The officers were able to determine when they arrived that the victim was already deceased. Uh, We began our investigation, uh, which included checking the area, including it as a crime scene, and canvassing the neighborhood and going door to door to see if anybody might have heard or seen anything that would help the investigation. Uh, During those uh, actions, we did find several shell casings on the ground uh, in the roadway near the victim. We also located several neighbors that reported hearing what they thought at the time were fireworks, but now believe may have been gunshots. Uh, We have identified the victim. Uh, We're in the process of notifying next of kin. Right now, it is an active crime scene. Our investigators are still on scene. Uh, They're following up on uh, any information that they have received at this point. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violas, and this is a CBS News radio production. Big thanks to everybody hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I know for someone who's socially, social media challenged as myself, I, I even remember all four of those, which I think is great. But really a big thanks to everybody. Your comments are incredible. Um, all the content that everybody's been recommending about the shows that you'd like us to do, uh, we are in the process with, and you can always hit us up uh, at cbsaudio.com, leave us a review, or just email us at violas.com, and uh, w- you know we, we can reply that way. But please continue that. We really, really appreciate it. Um, also, as a sidebar, I know that a lot of the f- folks have, have been watching social media and seeing pictures of, of me speaking at the upfronts. Well, I, it, what a great, uh, just, just so everybody knows, I mean, for me, it was an incredible honor. Um, it's, it's one of those things that's designed to have what, what media calls talent speak to the advertising audience and really the whole you know, media audience. So for me to be introduced as talent, I think was probably one of the greatest oxymorons I've ever experienced, but it was a lot of fun and I was privileged to be there. So a thanks to everybody who, who wrote in on that. Um, today, uh, uh, we are going to have our monthly FOP, Fraternal Order Police, cold case. And before we get into that, uh, I obviously want to thank our partners at the Fraternal Order Police, uh, National President Patrick Yeos, his executive board, all of the the lodges around the United States, all of our incredibly wonderful, brave and courageous and unselfish police, our 1.3 million cops around the country. And also to remind all of our listeners everywhere, both here and both in the United States and abroad, This is the first of its kind partnership between media and police. 
and long overdue. And, and for many reasons, this is a wonderful thing, but one in particular is because, ladies and gentlemen, think about this, 314 million Americans, and we have 1.3 million cops. And this obviously is for another show, but remember this, that you know when we think about the people that are serving our country, Remember that they're just like you. They're going home. They're sitting at the kitchen table. They have. They're looking at what bills they can pay and what they don't. You know what they can't right now. They're regular people that do incredibly courageous things every day. So for us here at CBS News Radio to partner with the police in using the great distribution channel for CBS to get cold case information out there, you know, not only is it unprecedented, it's a blessing, and I'm incredibly humbled and proud to be able to do that. Um, today, our, our monthly FOP cold case takes us to Evansville, Indiana, where in 2015, a local DJ was found shot to death on the side of the road. And after an exhaustive investigation, this particular case remains unsolved. Joining us today from the Evansville Police Department is Detective Karen Montgomery. Detective Montgomery has served the great city of Evansville with distinction for the last three decades, has worked her way up from the ranks of patrol to the detective bureau where she is today, and is the recipient of the department's gold, medal, gold, gold merit award for saving a child from a burning home. Now, if that doesn't speak volumes about her character, her courage, her selfless dedication to her community, then I don't know what does. Detective Montgomery, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Karen, I want to start off by, by if you would, um, give us an overview of this case so all of our listeners kind of have a starting point, and then we can break it down from there as far as, you know, people involved and, and all our different thoughts and get our, get our audience involved in this. So if you could, just give us an overview. All right. Um, this happened on July the 20th, 2015. Um, around here it gets pretty hot, and this was a pretty hot night, and... Our victim was Shane Breedlove. He was 41 at the time. He was a pretty popular DJ around town, um, pretty much in our Midwest area. He would go travel all over and do the DJ because they said he had a really nice voice. He was a pretty particular man uh, about his appearance. So him walking this night was kind of unusual for me. Uh, because it was extremely hot and very humid. So he's walking maybe less than a mile to get to work that night. Um, his girlfriend at the time, Chastity Sledge, had taken his vehicle, so it wasn't available to him. So uh, he's got about a 20, 30-minute walk, and as he's walking, he's talking on the phone to another female that he knows by the name of Stephanie Bramlett. And Bramlett reported much later after uh, Shane was found that she was talking to him. He told her to hold on for a minute. She said she didn't hear any noise, but then all she could hear was heavy breathing. And she hung up the phone with Shane. About the same time as the hang-up, about 10 minutes later is what we're figuring out uh, somebody's driving down this main road, sees Shane laying on the side of the road, can see the blood all over his face, so they call 911. This was about 25 after 9 in the evening. Mm 
when officers arrived, he was already deceased, and uh, the phone was laying right by his hand. He did not have any weapons with him. They found about five or six shell casings on the ground near his body, and uh, then the investigation starts. So they identified him from his uh, driver's license, which was still in his wallet, along with all his cash and his credit cards. So we knew this wasn't a robbery from the beginning and discovered that uh, Shane was actually married to uh, Jamie Breedlove, who had moved out of the house in the last month to go to Washington State. So uh, we started with um, who Shane was talking to. Stephanie Bramlett showed up at the scene. They interviewed her. She advised that he had a wife so that they could do some contact with the family to let them know. And they also spoke to Shane's son, who uh, advised that Shane usually carried a gun with him. And we did not find a gun at the scene. But later they did a search warrant at his home and did find a gun. And Shane's son, Jason, said he didn't think Anybody would kill Shane, but uh, he knew that his dad had not been faithful to his wife, and there were some other issues in the clubs with jealousy, is what Jason said. Okay. So they bring in uh, the girlfriend, which is Chastity Sledge, to talk to her. Um, they actually found her at the club. Somebody had contacted her via social media and uh, brought her downtown. She said she'd been living with him for about a month. She took the car. Um, she needed to go to work, and Shane wouldn't get up to take her, so she took the car. She thought Stephanie would take him to work, and that did not happen. So uh, she also revealed that she had a, um ex-boyfriend who was a little obsessive with her, and Shane and he did not get along. So she thought maybe it had something to do with that. So uh, after that, the case kind of went cold for a few days. There was nothing going on. And then we have a local person with a lengthy criminal history that gets arrested that um, wants to help himself and give some information and tells the investigators at the time who they might want to talk to, and they bring in a juvenile that uh, tells a similar story to that person that had given the initial information that ends up in three male adults being arrested. Uh, Derek Murray, Bobby Michael Handegard, and Bobby John Handegard. And all three of those invoked their attorney privileges from the beginning, and so we didn't get any kind of statement from that. Within a few days of their arrest, the juvenile recants their story, um, has a relationship with one of the hand guards, and doesn't want to give any testimony against that person, so uh, the prosecutors dropped the case. Uh, we got a little bit of DNA at the scene, and it's been compared to the three people we arrested and our victim and a few other people that were involved. 
with no matches. So we are using uh, some DNA technology to try to do some familial DNA testing to see if we can get any further. So uh, that's where the it other sits thing, right now. Right. We had uh, Shane had testified in a trial. And one of the hand of guards is friends with the defendant in that trial. But the defendant, the vic, that was Robert Straw. He was found not guilty in that battery. And him and Bobby John, hand guard, were uh, in business together. So uh, motive, maybe, but we're not sure that it was related. And since he was not found guilty, we didn't really think that was a strong motive. So uh, we're kind of up in the air with what the motive might be. Uh, was somebody jealous of him? Uh, was his uh, taste for the lady something that got him in trouble? So was okay. it Chastity's old boyfriend? Uh, the three we arrested are gang-affiliated, according to a lot of sources. So was it something to do with that? We don't know. All right. Well, let's start breaking this down then, Okay. Um, and yes. for all of our listeners, you, you understand now what Detective Montgomery just shared with you is a macro sense of what this entire case has been from, from bookmark to bookmark. Now, what we need to do at this point is I need everyone to kind of dial into this a little bit more because we're going to break down the people involved. And what's important is if anything comes to mind about what you hear right now, we are going to give you information at the close, obviously, of, uh, of this interview, of the contact information about how to get in touch with, with Detective Montgomery. But what I ask you to do right now is kind of really kind of think about getting involved in this. Remember, 314 million Americans, 1.3 million cops. This is your opportunity right now to de deputize. If you know something about this as we break this down, if something comes to mind, Detective Montgomery would welcome any and all pieces of information. So with that, Karen, what I want to do is let's start breaking down the players involved here. And God knows it's not like there's a shortage of possibilities about who a suspect could be. So let's start with our victim. With respect to Shane Breedlove, you describe him as a 41-year-old male who in his own right is probably a, a local celebrity who's a, a, he's married. If I'm understanding this correctly, he's married to Jamie Breedlove, who, who leaves the state of Indiana, goes to the state of Washington, and he's living with his girlfriend, uh, who, Chastity Sledge. Right? He's living with her, but he's also known as a ladies' man at, at the club. Have I got that, that right so far? That is a true picture of what Shane Breedlove was, yes. Okay, now the other thing that I find interesting is that you talk about him as someone who's very particular about his dress, which we all know that, you know, July, look, Indiana's a great place, but July and humidity and heat, not the place you want to be walking on the road for 20 or 30 minutes without being soaked by the time he gets there, right? So that that kind of, I think that, that there's there's some there's some question marks there, but that's who Shane Breedlove was, right? And, and I don't mean to categorize him into a very small silo because I'm sure the man had a lot of depth to him. But for the sake of us discussing this right now, we would describe him as somewhat of a, a local celebrity, a very popular DJ, worked uh, at Casey's Time Out Lounge. And the reason I'm throwing that name out there for everybody to know is because if anybody knows of anything about Casey's Time Out Lounge, 
right? And all the names or any of the names that we're going to mention, it's important for you to contact Detective Montgomery. Again, this is us working together. So that's Shane. What about Chastity Sledge? Karen, how do you describe her? I think uh, Chastity was just a, a kind of a regular girl. She um, met Shane in another club in an adjoining town in in Henderson, Kentucky, which is just across the bridge across the high river from us, called Elixir. And uh, she said they just kind of hit it off together. Um, she was a waitress by trade at the time, um, needed a place to stay. It kind of just worked out for both of them. Okay. But how would you describe her? I mean, you've interviewed her, you've spoken with her. To be honest, she was only interviewed very right after the um, incident occurred, and I was not the detective that interviewed her. When I got this case, I have been trying to look for her, and we have finally lo located her because she turned up in another um, bar in Owensboro where she was going to be uh, working, performing, I guess, She's a singer, too, so um, that just recently developed within this month that we have located her finally after trying to find her. I'd be interested in that interview, I'll tell you what. I'd be interested to hear what happens there because you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. He's, he's found on the side of the road. He's very meticulous. I've never seen him, but I would only assume you know, fairly good-looking guy. Um, you said he had that great voice going on as the DJ, so that was an attraction. Ladies liked him. But he's found dead on the side of a road with his money and his wallet intact. So what does that tell you with respect to motive? It's not robbery is not the motive. There's got to be some kind of personal. Right. That's draw. personal. Right. So taking this to the next level, we know we know unequivocally when we look at this for everybody listening, this is a personal planned attack. Now, the interesting part here is the fact that, as Detective Montgomery points out, this is a man that probably shouldn't have been walking down there, so this was not, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, this was not something that he did every day, so it's not like if someone was following him, they knew his pattern. This was not part of his pattern. Is that correct? This is not part of his pattern at all. Okay, so whoever knew, he, whoever shot him, whoever was involved, knew that he was walking that particular day. Would that be a fair yeah. statement? That would be correct. Okay, so now we've got Chastity, who you're going to talk to, which I can't wait to hear what happens there. But then you also have Chastity's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Do we have a name for him? I would rather not give his fair name. Fair enough, so we leave his time. name out. But we got him because, as I'm thinking... You know, who would know that he was walking to work that day? Well, Chastity would know. Uh, and that brings me into my next question, Detective. My next question is, tell me about uh, Stephanie Bramlett. Tell me about her. Stephanie Bramlett was, um, came, it, it, she picked, she describes herself as a good friend to Shane. Uh, helped him in some of his business ventures because not only was he a DJ, but uh, he repoed cars on the side and um, 
tried to dabble in as much as he could to uh, make money because he had uh, three children, one of them grown at the time, uh, two other children that were younger that he had to pay child support. So he was always trying to make ends meet. And Stephanie was kind of a, uh, for lack of a better word, an accountant for him. Uh, so there was no, not, there was no, no it was strictly platonic. That's what they, uh, she has painted the picture as, yes. Okay. So now let's, let's talk about her a little bit deeper here. Now, she's on the phone. She's talking. He's walking. He's, he's talking to her. Okay. Now, this is the part that, that I don't understand. Well, there's a couple of things I don't understand, but, oh shit, but there's a lot of things I don't, I don't understand in life. <laughs> I'm going to add this to the many things I don't understand. But, Detective, Bramlett says that she did not hear anything but sirens when Shane asked her to hold on. What do you make of that? There was actually a fire run at the time that they were talking okay. that we have matched up that could have been the sirens that she heard. Interesting. But she never hears any gunshots or any conversation or anything. So there's a fire run, which I'm assuming, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that the responding fire trucks had to be in close proximity to our victim. Correct? Yes. Okay. So if she didn't hear any shots fired, and the next thing she hears is heavy breathing, it means it, it sounds like that he was shot when those fire trucks were in close proximity. Right. But neighbors heard the shots. Neighbors heard the shots. Uh, there were probably 10 neighbors that heard shots. So... Um, Right up and down that area where he was found is uh, residential. And there were several people that said they heard five to six shots. But it is July, and um, they thought, was it firecrackers? Okay. And well, kind of dismissed it. So right. they're not sound. calling in to say, yeah. Right. I mean, we've yeah. heard how many times, Karen, have we heard after shooting where people will say it, I thought they were firecrackers and they were shots fired. I mean, that's, so that's very common. That's, that's not uncommon. All right. So, but you feel fairly comfortable that it was a platonic relationship from that. And they had right. no other. The only thing that really bothers me about her is she hears nothing. I mean, is it, if it's somebody that Shane knows that he stops and puts her on a hold for lack of better word, just, and tells her, hold on a minute, he, he's not saying anything. So if it's somebody you know, you're at least saying, hey, how you doing, or something, but there's nothing. He's not saying anything. You don't hear anything at all. That's the part that I don't understand. Um, because he said, hold on, right? She said to him, she said that, she, that the, she said, Bramlett said that our victim said, hold on. Yes. So obviously he saw something. He saw someone. Not necessarily someone he knew, but he saw someone that alerted him to the point that it had to draw his attention to whatever he was seeing. Right. And she doesn't hear shots. So I think that, I don't know, that, that, so now let's talk about, next person I want to talk about is the son. What are your thoughts on the son? I got my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on the son? Jason um, has some trouble in his past, um, 
him and his father uh, shared a house for a little while. He had some legal problems. He had to um, have an address in Kentucky. So he was staying in Kentucky at the time. Um, As far as being father and son, they were probably closer to being like uh, friends, you know, like guy friends, because not much age difference between the two of them. Um, And Jason did a lot of uh, helping his dad to set up when he go and uh, perform at different places. And uh, Jason was pretty familiar with uh, Shane's routine. I asked him about going back to Casey's timeout after Shane had died to collect his belongings. I said, did he have an extra shirt there? He said, no. I said, you know, cologne, fix his hair. It was hot. He would need something, you would think. He said he didn't remember picking up anything like that, just his equipment that he performed with. That doesn't make sense for a guy who's well-capped, does it? No, and Jason was also the one that said, uh, did you find his gun? And we didn't find a gun at the scene. The gun was at the house, and he thought that was unusual because his dad carried a firearm with him. Okay. So now let's go down to the juvenile. Uh, The juvenile that comes forth and provides details of Shane's murder, as you said, that were missing. She corroborated the story from uh, the person that had gotten in trouble and filled in some other blanks as to uh, what actually occurred that night. So um, bring her in or bring the person, that juvenile in and talk to them and with their parents because you can't talk to a juvenile without their parents. And very reluctant to say anything. And then later on, after her parents talked to her and con- convinced her, the juvenile that she, that talk is needed. This right. needs to be clarified. Right. The parents are worried about their child. You, Makes sense. You get all that and you present it to the prosecutor and they feel like there's enough with two stories that match to get arrest warrants for three individuals. So that's what they did. Okay. And that leads us to Derek Murray, Bobby John Handegard, and Bobby Michael Handegard. Yes. Okay. So they're arrested, but then subsequently they're released because the prosecutor's office decided not to move forward with prosecuting because they didn't have a witness. Because the juvenile recanted their story. Okay. So that leaves you now with what? Uh, Three decent suspects, not enough evidence to get us where we need to go to, to trial. Right. And they lawyer up immediately, so obviously you don't have the ability to interview them. Correct. How would you describe the Handegard boys and uh, Derek Murray? How would you describe them? Derek Murray has um, extensive history. If anybody went on social media or or they would, the internet, you'd be able to find it. 
Um, he has a lot of history here in town. Uh, the older of the two handyguards, he ha- also has some history. Uh, the younger one is truly young and has not established any criminal history to speak of. That would be Bobby Michael. And so affiliation um, has come out for all three of them to different uh, gangs. Uh, Bobby John Handegard uh, is said to be part of the Latin Kings. Derek Murray is supposed to be part of uh, the L.A. Zombies. Have you verified uh, are, that? Uh, if you look on their... Uh, we have a gang unit that says associate of, and okay. they have said, but without them speaking the words from their mouth, it's always that it's alleged that they're a member of. Got it. So uh, I was forced to look at this from the gang angle because I've got two out of the three and the third one's related to one of the other two who are gang affiliated supposedly. Mm-hmm. So is this a Latin King deal? Is this a LA zombie deal? I don't know. But what that doesn't tell me is why him? Why our victim? I And, and I think Chassie Sledge is the key to that. Does she know something that we haven't gotten out of her yet? I believe that to be true as well. And you know what? I think that there's information coming out of the timeout lounge, Casey's timeout lounge, because this guy was that much of a celebrity. If he was a ladies' man, obviously he probably got some guys mad at him, but you don't commit murder for that. Had to be something else, right? Had to be something else. I think there's a lot coming out of this chastity sledge. I would agree with you on that. As we kind of piece this together, right? As we piece this together, as I look at this, where we're at right now, this is what I see. And if you could help me kind of just bring this whole mosaic together at this point. So we have a 41-year-old local celebrity who's a DJ who's married, um, whose wife takes off and goes to the state of Washington, who's still legally married, by his son's own admission, uh, he wasn't faithful to her. So I don't know where she stands on anything. Um, uh, but that's nonetheless a name Jamie Breedlove, so, and she's living in the state of Washington. Remember that name that we have for everybody who's listening. And then we, we have Chastity Sledge, who is the current girlfriend, uh, live-in girlfriend of our victim, Shane Breedlove, and she, a performer in her own right, uh, admitted that her prior boyfriend had problems with uh, our victim as our victim had problems with him. So clearly there's, there's something there. Uh, but then we have the son, which uh, the son's name is Jason Breedlove. Jason just seemed to know a lot about the father's habits, as you said, right? He's wasn't more of a father-son, it was more of friend-to-friend. And one of the things that Detective Montgomery points out that I think everyone listening right now needs to take into consideration is that 
this was not done by somebody that knew the patterns of behavior. We are all creatures of habit. I drive the same way to work, or you, you know, have the same thing here or there. We're creatures of habit. We do certain things a certain way. This was not part of his pattern. So on this particular day, there was a couple of hours where it was decided he was walking. He didn't have a shirt or any change of clothes there for a well-kept man, so this was not something planned. Right, Karen, am I, am I missing something there? You are not missing anything. All right, so now as we continue to piece this together, the amount of people that could be involved in this is kind of getting narrowed down because, you know, it, it, as I see it, this couldn't be somebody that just, this, didn't, this wasn't random. They knew this guy was walking this particular distance. It was something that he didn't do. It narrows our scope. Now, we have, these, we have these, the, the three suspects that are released, Murray and, and the Handeguard boys, um, which clearly may have motive based on alleged gang affiliation, but then we'd need to understand really what the motive would be to kill him other than if it was truly gang oriented and they were making their bones with that gang, especially the Kings, you got to kill somebody to get in. Well, maybe it was him. Could be. Don't know. But what I'm leaving everybody with right now, and before Detective Montgomery gives you her closing thoughts, this is what I'm leaving with you right now. We have major players here. You all know who they are. We are going to post Detective Montgomery's notes under the FOP Cold Case of the Month notes section. You can go to CBS Audio. You can go to violas.com. It's on the podcast page. These are the people. These are the locations, such as Casey's Timeout Lounge. That if anyone has anything to do with that particular lounge, if anyone knew our victim, Shane Breedlove, if anybody knows something that wasn't brought up already, if somebody has knowledge, reference this Chastity Sledge, her boyfriend, the son, Jason Breedlove, if anybody knows something relevant to this, it is extremely important. Even if you don't think it's important, I believe me, when you've got a detective like Detective Montgomery who's been serving at the city of Evansville for, for three decades, she's going to think it's important. So let her rule it out. Karen, as we close, I ask you to kind of tell us what your message is for our listeners. I think people need to realize that Shane was somebody's child. He was somebody's father. He'll never be, have the chance to be somebody's grandfather because his life was taken away. His parents, and I've met both of them, and uh, they are divorced, so I've met their new spouses as well, and I've met Shane's brother. So I've become a part of that fabric in their family. And from the beginning, all they've asked for is closure. Shane's father passed away this weekend. He'd been sick for quite some time, and he had asked me repeatedly, I can go to my deathbed with peace if I know who took the life of my son. And I was not able to give that to him. It would be a blessing and an honor to me to be able to give that to his mother. And I hope that I can get that done. 
Well, you know what? I, I truly believe you can. And, and, our, and our message to everybody as we close, if you have information about Shane Breedlove's murder, please contact Detective Karen Montgomery of the Ez, Evans, Evansville, Indiana Police Department at 812-436-4013. That number again, 812-436-4013. You can email her at kmontgomery.com. That's K-M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y at evansvillepolice.com. Again, this information will be posted and is posted uh, and will stay posted uh, on our website. So go to violas.com under podcast, look at the FOP cold case notes, and there you will find this information. It will also be posted in the new site that CBS News is building for us uh, on the CBS News site as well. So it's important that I leave you with these thoughts. Even though you may think it's not important, let Detective Montgomery be the judge of that. Karen, would you agree with that? Yes, sir. All right. Well, listen, please, uh, if you know anything, that's how you get in touch. We're going to be making sure that we follow up on this case. Uh, so, Karen, on behalf of everybody here at CBS News uh, Radio and certainly the entire staff at Security Matters, I want to thank you and, and everyone at the Evansville Police Department uh, for you graciously giving us your time, for working with us on this so that, God willing, we can bring some closure to that family. I appreciate you putting this out there for everybody. Well, it's going to stay out there, and I look forward to working with you on this. So thank you again, and, my, and, all, and all our best to everyone at the PD. Thank you. Stay with us. You're listening to Security Matters on CBS News Radio Production. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The 19th of July has rolled around four times now, and Carol Cleveland hasn't gotten any closer to justice for her son. But that doesn't mean she won't keep begging for an answer and holding on to hope his killer will have a day in court. How can you move on from a day still frozen in time? When I dwell on it, I think about how long that's been and wonder sometimes how I've been able to make it each day. How can you put into words so many days of grief? Four years is a long time. Disbelief overwhelms Carol Cleveland. Four years ago, her son Shane Breedlove took his last breath near the corner of Washington and Thompson on his way to work in Evansville. Police still haven't solved his murder, but Carol still meets with detectives four times a year waiting for someone to shine a new light. Mama hadn't give up yet. Investigators can't share much, but she says it feels good to talk. It's for the good of the case, so I have to 
I have to accept that. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And to finish up our monthly FOP cold case, uh, again, I want to thank uh, National President Patrick Yose uh, of the Fraternal Order Police for his vision and the executive board for their vision on, uh, on this collaboration. And also a big thanks to CBS News Radio because it's between the two that this partnership works. And remember, the most important thing about this is that there are people that would do anything just to have closure. All of you out there know that when there's something out there that you just didn't finish up, it's just a horrible feeling. All of us together have the ability to help out this police, this, the Evansville Police Department in this case, and we, and we need to do that. So if you have any information whatsoever, please, if you have any information whatsoever, please get it over to Detective Montgomery. This information will be posted at, at violas.com. Go to the podcast page. You'll read the notes there and just get in touch with Detective Montgomery. Um, and, and also a big thanks to the Evansville Police Department uh, for obviously their, their dedication to their community and for their willingness to work with us here at CBS News Radio in conjunction with our relationship with Fraternal Order Police. Hopefully, God willing, we're going to help them get some information that will bring closure to this case. On behalf of everybody here at CBS News Radio and the entire staff of Security Matters, appreciate you listening. Check us back up next week. Have a great week. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.